something for Marissa. This is Marissa's baptism certificate. Thank you. We had, I think it was 12 baptisms uh, over the course of that couple of weeks. It was really exciting. Um, and so Marissa's one of them. And, and uh, so I'm going to make a little plug for, for Marissa. Marissa just graduated from massage therapy school. This might sound kind of interesting from, from the pulpit here. Massage therapy school. And she would like um, to bless people with a very reduced rate or and I'm sure she worked with people who said whatever um, if if you would like a massage she'd like to practice on you and bless the people from the church and I think she'll come to your house and if that didn't work you could on a midweek day just arrange it with me we could give you a, the nursery or something here um, but you know God created us body soul spirit and sometimes our bodies could use some help and so anyways but we want to she wants to bless you guys and uh, we want to bless her even in some opportunity to keep practicing as she's going looking forward to opening her her practice when i talked to her about it, she says no i want to bless the people in the church and so hey um i'm already putting my name down amen, amen. all right <laughs> maybe pull my volume down just a tad i'm ringing just a little bit and we are going to go. We are in, we are finishing our our character, um, a character study. And we're gonna, I want to spend this morning on Joseph one more morning. And so we've talked about some of the different characters in the Bible, and Joseph is just a great study. But this morning, um, you know, we're going to learn that as we've learned about him in the last a number of weeks, Joseph was a man just like us. Remember, he had um, dreams. He had opportunities. He came from a dysfunctional family. So you say amen to that. He went through hardships and he had successes. Um, he even had women problems. So we can relate with, with Joseph in, in the things of life. He was an overcomer. And we're going to look at uh, one thing today from his life. Bypassing all the other parts of his life, that uh, his brothers and fathers coming to Egypt. We're not going to cover that this morning. We want to focus on one theme, and it's talked about in just about three places, this same thing. Uh, Genesis 45, 5. So he has revealed himself to his brothers, who, remember, sold him into slavery. And... Uh, and he ended up in prison. Um, his father thinks he's, he's dead. And now he's the second most powerful man in Egypt. And so the, the, the brothers, I think, are a little bit concerned here. And so here's what Joseph tells his brothers. But now do not therefore be grieved or angry with yourselves because you sold me here. For God sent me before you to preserve life. Go to verse 8. So now it was not, listen to this. This is Joseph talking to his brothers. Now it was not you who sent me here, but God. And he has made me a father to Pharaoh and lord of all his house and a ruler throughout all the land of Egypt. Go over to chapter 50, just a few chapters over to your right. In verse 20. This is the, the end of Jacob's life. Jacob, his father, has died. Um, they've buried him, and his brothers are terrified now because now dad can't protect him. 
And Joseph tells his brothers, but as Joseph said to them, do not be afraid for am I in the place of God? Verse 19, verse 20. But as for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good in order to bring it about as it is to this day to save many people alive. Joseph has this amazing attitude that he suffered. He was, he was uh, exiled from his family, sold into slavery. Um, he had some success in Potiphar's house and then ended up back in prison. Then had to work his way, uh, really let God work through him until he was then put, put with Pharaoh and exalted to this amazing position. If, if it, people had a right to be upset, Joseph is one of them. You know, a lot of bad things have happened to us in our lives. If, if we lit, lit, had time this morning, we could listen to some of the stories of the abuse that some of you have suffered. Um, and I'm, I'm in there. I've, I've suffered um, at the hands of people some things that I should never have suffered. Okay, so we have abuse and uh, we have neglect. We have uh, things that happen in our jobs. Um, people cheated us. People deceived us. We, they robbed from us. Um, and we could tell our stories and some of them would just bring us to absolute tears. Some of those stories, we haven't seen the full redemption story come to pass yet. So we can relate with Joseph. And yet Joseph, in this moment, he doesn't take the opportunity to get back at his siblings. This is something that just absolutely amazes me, that he, he looks at his past, but he sees where God has brought it. He says, what you meant for evil, God meant for good. And then he goes the next level and actually says, check this out, it wasn't even you that put me here. It was God. Well, we read the story. It was them. But his, his focus, his understanding changed it in his heart. He's like, look at what happened. This is what God wanted to do in my life. And, and I am now the person that I am because of the suffering that I went through. Church, one of the things that we can become is, is, is instead of bitter, we can become better and realize that everything that you have gone through in your life is why you are where you are and who you are. And if you'll yield that to God, God will take that and do some amazing things. So, but, but how do we do that? It's, it's a wonderful thought, isn't it? It's, it's a great thought. We're just, we can just go out from, we just say amen and say, we're just going to go live like that. But there's a problem. We all have these things called these minds that want to tell us other things to say, like up your nose with a rubber hose to the people who've hurt us. You know, we, we, we want to get back. We want to take vengeance. We, we want to hurt them back. We struggle with these things. We have these thoughts that come in and says, your life is horrible and you'll never recover because of what happened to you. So this morning, what I want to focus on and take this, and this is what's been stirring in my heart. I didn't know that I was going to preach on this until later in the week, but this is what God's been taking me through for the last couple of weeks again. And this is why I really feel like it's time, and that's, that's the... The battle that goes on in the mind. God made us, we already said this earlier, uh, I said this, he made us body, soul, and spirit, right? Um, and so actually it's body, mind, and spirit because um, our, our soul is, is who we are. But in our mind, we even have three makeups. In our mind, it's made up of our mind, our will, and our emotions. I want to talk about the spiritual battle 
that happens sometimes in our body, but ab most of the battle is happening in our mind. Joseph had to, must have had a spiritual battle happening in his mind. And, and, and your life, my life, is radically contingent on us getting a hold of our thinking patterns, recognizing the attacks that the enemy comes. Ephesians chapter 6, we, we studied the book of Ephesians last year. Ephesians chapter 6 talks about the spiritual war that we have. Ephesians chapter 6. We know this very, very, it's very familiar to us. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness, even the heavenly places. And then it goes on and talks about the armor that we're supposed to put on. And we'll read a little bit about that more. But we need to understand that we are in a spiritual battle. But one of the, the, the key things of the enemy is happening up here. What, uh, for military con conquests, in military campaigns, one of the greatest thing that a, uh, a military power wants to do is bring in psychological warfare. Psychological warfare uh, is to make everyone else afraid of you. Okay, in, in the past, uh, the people, they march in unison stomping on the ground to make you afraid of this massive army that's coming to you. They shout, they grumble, they shatter their, their in the old days, their swords, they make this noise. It's psychological warfare. That's one of the greatest weapons that, that uh, an army might has. Even Gideon, God used uh, 300 people, but one of the things that he did in that process, if you remember the story of Gideon, he had 10,000, he whittled it down to 300 men. And, but then he says, okay, here's what you're going to do. You're all going to get a lamp in a, in a jar, and you're going you're gonna to break it, you're going to show the light, you're going to blow horns. Well, in a military campaign, not all your fighting men would have a horn. Only a few would have a horn. It'd be, you know, one horn for so many people. So, so and I, I, I don't know the exact amount, but it might be one horn for 50 or 100 people. So there was 300 horns. In the mind of the enemies, there was 30,000 people. God helped conquer even using psychological warfare. My, my brother was in Desert Storm. And that was one of the shortest wars we ever fought. Really quick. One of the reasons it was so quick is they were, they were bombarding. They were bombarding the enemy with pamphlets and things about basically, you're in trouble. And, and they were literally instructions on how to surrender. The, my brother told me this. They would drop out pamphlets on the other side and, and, and pamphlets and, and it had instructions on how to surrender. And he said that they saw people walking across the line holding up the paper and they surrendered over and over again. Why? They were afraid. Here's the problem. The enemy understands psychological warfare. And he bombard you with pamphlets. He screams and shouts and rattles his sword and says, you're going to lose. 
And too often we grab that pamphlet and we walk to him and say, I surrender. And we don't fight. Church, Mickey talked about it. We are in a war in this world and in this nation. We are in a war for the lives, our own lives and the lives of young people all over. This world, this country, this culture needs people who know that the fight is spiritual and that there's something happening. And the enemy wants to keep us individually knocked down so that we cannot stand up and fight against the big war that's happening. Joseph had something going on in his mind that he was able to look past all of these things and see truth in it. You know, there's a, some wonderful messages come out of there about forgiveness and mercy, and, and those are powerful messages with Joseph, how he, he did. He forgave his, his brothers, and he had mercy upon them, but how did he get there? I want to talk, I wanna, we're going to go through a lot of scriptures this morning. And we understand, I, w- I want us to really get that the Bible actually talks a lot about this thing up here. In fact, in the, in the uh, armor section of Ephesians chapter uh, 6, it says you put on the helmet of salvation. The helmet of salvation. Helmets are really important. Do you do any sports? Every sport has helmets now. When I was young, if you were to want a helmet, you would have been beaten up for wearing a helmet. But today, we're finally smart enough to realize that inside this, this uh, skull is a brain that needs to be protected. So part of the armor of God is a helmet that's supposed to protect our brain. Because it, it, for a Roman soldier, if you were to attack them and, and, and bash them on the head, they can't make good decisions. They, they obviously they can die. But even a head wound, which I had one of those this week, um, that can cause a lot of problems. And so we want to talk about, the Bible actually speaks a lot about our thinking, our mind, and we're going to go today and line up our thinking into the Word of God. Philippians 4.8. Philippians 4.8 says this, Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue and if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate, meditate on these things. Second Corinthians, I'm going to just read some of these. You can get the list of notes later if you want them. Second Corinthians 10 says, We are destroying speculations and every lofty thing raised up against the knowledge of God, and we are taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. Speculation, it all happens up here. We speculate all the time. We speculate going into new places. Are they going to be nice to me? You know, we're going to have to pay too much money. And it says we're destroying some of these things by taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. Luke chapter 6 says, The good man out of the good treasure of his heart, well, we know that our heart is, is just pumping blood, but it's talking about our, our being and our thinking brings forth what is good, and the evil man out of his evil treasure brings forth evil. What, what we have in, our, in ourselves from our thinking, what we allow our, our thoughts to be, can either be good and it can be evil. Watch over your heart, Proverbs says, with diligence, for from it flow the springs of life. I don't know if you've ever had one of these days that, that things are just not going well. 
and and you and you think I, I better not see anybody today because if I do, it's just not going to go well. Th- that's that's actually what I go through sometimes. I need to hide. If I'm having a bad day, I try not to plan meetings because I don't want to shoot anybody in my office. You know, verbally, just attack them because what's happening in here. So we have to guard our heart, watch our heart, because what's happening in our heart, which is coming through our mind, is, is going to flow whatever. And, and I've probably thrown up on some people over the years, and I apologize for that, and I have had to, had to do that. Um, there's this, this Proverbs 23.7 is talking about a miser, and it says, but, but there's a powerful part of this. He's talking about how a miser holds his money. He says, but for as he thinks within himself, so he is. That's true with all of us. As we think about ourselves, so we are. Do you think that you're a loser? You're a loser. Because you're going to fulfill that thinking out in your life. You're going you're gonna, to you're gonna think it, and it's going to become truth for you. So what do we want to do? Let me give you another one on that. Romans 8, 5. That one got out of order. Those, for those who are according to the flesh, that's the worldly stuff, set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who are according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. Those who are walking in the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. We've got to guard our hearts, guard our, guard our minds, understand that the enemy is real and he wants to come in and attack us here. If we were to take a show of hands, we could say, who's ever said something to somebody that they later regretted? And every hand would go up. Often it's because of something that happens in our, in our mind and we're playing these things. Who's ever judged somebody for doing something that you were sure they were doing, but when you cool down, calm down, you realize that you were wrong? Okay, right? You know what? The enemy loves this. Absolutely. The enemy thrives to make you think things cause you to think things that aren't true to make judgments so that then you will act according to those and not the truth of the situation and the truth of God. The Bible says Jesus says that the Bible says that Jesus is the God of truth and the God of grace. We need to have both the God of truth and the God of grace in our lives and understand who he is and begin to hang on to the truths of God. Let me give you some encouraging scriptures that we can do this and how to do this. 2 Timothy says, God has not given us a spirit of timidity, but of power, of love, and of self-discipline. Did you know that you're actually in control of your thoughts? You are. Now, now there's something that separates us from the animal kingdom. Um, An action happens to us, and then we have a moment to decide our response, and then we respond. In the animal kingdom, they, they have learned responses that they do, or they, or we ha- or they just have uh, natural reactions. Um, have you ever seen a little dog bite a big dog? Isn't that stupid? 
they don't think about it because they're animals. They just react. Us, when something happens to us, we have something. Now, some of us act like animals, but we have an ability to choose our response once the action happens to us. They can, we, we have that free will, that free choice. We need to discipline ourselves so that choice be, so that moment to respond becomes a little bit longer so we're not just responding. How do we do that? One, we submit, therefore, to God, resist the devil, and he'll free, flee from you. We need to submit ourselves to God in this process. We need to resist the enemy. Remember the last scripture I wrote, read about uh, that? It says that the man who has his mind set on carnal things is going to be carnal. The man who has his heart set on the things of the Spirit will be spiritual. We need to have our mind set on the things of God so that we can begin to respond in a godly way. I'm not going to ask you this. is kind of rhetorical, but are you tired of responding to life in a fleshly manner? Are you tired of responding to life uh, in, in a way that brings depression and discouragement and negative thinking? I am. And I, and I work on this all the time, and it still gets me. It's a, it's a process that we have to keep going through. I am not going to listen to the lies of the enemy any longer. Romans chapter, uh, Romans chapter 12 says... Don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed. How? We always hear, you hear message all the time, don't be conformed to the pattern of the world. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That's what the scripture says, that you need to renew your mind. Then you'll be able to prove what the will of God is. That's what is good, acceptable, and perfect. For the mindset on the flesh is death, but the mindset on the spirit is is life and peace. Ephesians says that in reference to your former manner of life, you lay aside the old self, which is being corrupted in accordance with the lusts of deceit, and that you be renewed in the spirit of your mind, put on the new self, which is in the likeness of God has been created in righteousness and holiness of truth. We have to begin to walk away from our old patterns of thinking, and living and set our hearts on the things of the Spirit, on the things of God. You know what those things are in your life. The, the Holy Spirit convicts you all the time. But we listen to things all the time that lie to us and discourage us. We watch shows that don't bring us to good places. We, we, we read books that bring, don't bring us to good places. We have social media that, that can be an amazing tool from God, but often is used of, of Satan. I'm just going to tell I mean, it's, it's bad. So many people, and I know there's a lot of people not on social media in here. So many people go to social media and they look at all these things and they start envying and they start having depression over the things that they don't do and that they can't have or how they look because they're looking at all of this stuff put out by other people saying, this is my perfect life. It was easy for us to some degree when a star an actor or actress, basketball player, lived in the mansion or had this life because you could say, well, yeah, they're rich and they're a star. That's not normal. But on social media, people lie and make you think that their life is perfect. And now you go, well, I know them and their life is perfect. And somehow we buy into the lie that, that this is a good example. I may have said this. Shannon, my, Shannon and I, we talk about this a lot. You see somebody go on vacation. 
And we've got four kids. We've done quite a few little trips and vacations. And they take these pictures, these beautiful pictures of, of them at the Grand Canyon. And the wind is in their hair. And then they take a picture of their dinner and their hotel and everything's great. And we're like, they're having an amazing time. I said, we've done that trip. It's six hours of yelling in the car. Yelling at each other because one of you forgot to pack the swimsuit or the, or the matches or whatever it is. And then, and then kids throwing up on the mountain road. But when we clean up and we take a selfie of ourselves, this is perfect. <laughs> come on, let's, let's be real. Life is not perfect for anyone. But the enemy wants to come in and say, everyone else's life is perfect. See their husband? Their husband does all the things your husband doesn't do. Look at, that husband has abs. Your husband doesn't. <laughs> we start, start going through this. Yeah! Next thing you know, the wives are going, you need some abs! <laughs> the enemy wants to come in and stir these thinking, stinking thinking that we just get sucked into. And pretty soon I go, yeah, I'm horrible, I'm ugly, and, and I'm, not, I'm not any good. So the man thinks, so he is. And it's going to come out. Corinthians says that we take every thought captive and will make it obedient to Christ. How you doing? My goodness, if we were to take a poll, or if we were to take a test on that one, I think we'd all fail. But it's possible that we can begin to take our thoughts captive. We can actually hold up a thought and say, is this true? Is this godly? Now, now I want to talk a little bit about the truth because the Bible says that we need to buy the truth. Don't sell it. We need to get truth in our life. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. We need more of Jesus and less of Satan. We also need less of our flesh. And, and the Bible teaches us, and that's a whole other lesson, but, but Scripture teaches us what the, the, that Jesus has defeated the world, the flesh, and the devil. When we're coming against the enemy, when we're pushing back against the way he wants to treat us, we are not coming fighting for victory. You're fighting from victory. Because it's already won. The battle is won. We have to fight from victory and walk into it. And a big part of it is in this realm, when we, we're talking about the helmet of salvation, guarding our minds is simply knowing the truth. Bible, Jesus said you'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. Now there is a difference between temporal truth and eternal truth. As I was preparing for this, I thought, okay, well, there are times in life that there's a truth that you might say, well, I'm sick. Well, and that's true. Or, I lost my job. Well, that's true. It's, that's a temporary truth. Well, I'm not talking about pretending that's not true, but, but we go on then and begin to do eternal truths out of that. And the enemy wants us to believe eternal truths out of the, I don't have a job. It goes, I don't have a job and no one will ever hire me. 
Okay, we've got to learn to recognize maybe a temporal truth compared to a eternal truth. You go, well, what, how do I know that? I mean, that's just silly. And you know what's amazing? We recognize that. We recognize the difference between temporal truths and eternal truths with other people. All the time. Your friends, they come up to you and say, it's just never going to get any better. And you're like, sure it is. Why? Because you're not suffering. When you're in it, it's hard, isn't it? So we need to be a people who begin to hang on to the word of God to find out who we are in Christ. We need to have some scriptures memorized. One of the best things in your arsenal is the word of God. In fact, in, in, the, in the spiritual armor, the only offensive weapon is the sword of the spirit. And if you keep yours, your, your sword in, in a backpack, that's wonderful. Take it with you, that's great. If you keep it on the front seat of your car, that's, that's wonderful. But if, if it's not in your heart, it's basically useless. Because unless the devil manifests in the flesh, decides to become a weak person, and you pick up your big Bible and hit him with it, it's not going to do any good in the front seat or in your backpack. It's only going to do good when you speak it. When you read it, and you understand the truths written in it, and you live by them. The Bible says, I can do all things through Christ, which gives me strength. The Bible says that I am more than a conqueror. The Bible says that those who call the name of the Lord shall be saved, and that God loves the world that he gave his son. We're worried about our friends and our relatives not being saved. We're going through catastrophic things in our life, and there's a scripture the word is going to talk about these things and give us hope, but we need to hang on to the truth of the word. We need to begin to get a thought and maybe even write that down if it helps. You need to hold that up and say, is this, is this thought truth? No one loves me. No one at that church really likes me. Is that true? How do you know that that's true? We do this with my kids a lot when they, were, when they were young. They would say these huge, big statements. And if no one likes me. I said, really? In the whole world? There's not one person who likes you? Well, I just don't, don't think anyone likes me at the church. No one at the church likes you? Well, Joey was mean to me. Oh, that's the truth that's temporary. Joey was mean to you. And what did you turn it into? Everybody hates me. No one likes me. Where's some worms? I want to eat some worms and die. <laughs> What's the truth? I'm never going to get over this. I'm never going to have victory over this, this sin, this addiction, this difficulty. Never? That's a, never, never a long time. I'll guarantee you, if you're a believer, you're going to get over it. At the very least, you're going to get over it in heaven. But it says that he lives inside of you and you're more than a conqueror and you can have freedom today. This is simply an encouragement to begin to understand that a lot of our issue lies up here in the battlefield. As Joyce Meyer wrote the book, Battlefield of the Mind, 
I, ca- I refer to it as stinking thinking. We have some crazy stinking thinking, and it comes in all the time. People, I mean, people leave churches because the pastor didn't say hi to me. We, 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 we need to become mature, and we need to help people to see truth, bring truth bringers, and we need to begin to say, God, I want to know the truth, and I want to be set free. I think we should be walking in more victory and freedom than we are. And, and here's what's awesome. As you will begin to get into the Word of God and, and, and do some, some searching of the Scriptures to find out what the Word says about your situation, and write out the truth of your situation according to the Word of God. I've blown it so bad this week, I don't think God can forgive me. But the Bible says that Jesus said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. That's an eternal truth. Where did this thought come from? You ever have a crazy, crazy thought just pop into your head? Yeah, we all have sitting in the middle of a church service and you start having these crazy envious thoughts or crazy lustful thoughts. You know, things, suicidal thoughts. They just come out of nowhere. I mean, there's times we're sitting and we're thinking about things and thoughts come, but have you ever just had one that's like, where did that come from? I've I've had a few of those in my life. I'll tell you where it comes from. It comes right from the devil. That's an intrusive thought that you can have a thought that you have authority over and you can have victory in as you begin to take the thought what does Corinthians say we're destroying speculations you know you know and I just think I just I just think oh you know what stop thinking start knowing you destroy speculations every lofty thing raised up against the knowledge of God is this of God is this, as I read in the first scripture, is this good and lovely and praiseworthy, honorable? See, are these thoughts, are these thoughts bringing me away from God? Is this thought helping me to feel closer to God or feeling worse about myself, bringing me away from God? We 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 take every lofty thing raised up against the knowledge of God, and we take every thought captive and make it obedient to Christ. And we make no provision for the flesh flesh. And it's lusts, Romans 13 says. The Word of God is so incredibly important. Martin Luther, not King, said this, The Bible is alive. It speaks to me. It has feet. It runs after me. It has hands. It lays hold of me. Let's, let's let the Bible do the work that God intended it to do. You, we've got to become a student of the Word. And I'm not saying know all the Greek and all the Hebrew. You, that's wonderful if you want to do that. What I'm saying is just read the Bible and find the promises from God. And, and, and when they stick out to you, especially when they go, oh man, that's for me, write that thing down on a, on a card. Put that card up in your room. Put it on your visor. Put it somewhere and say, that's a truth. Then, when you get the lie, and, and I'm, gonna, I'm not going to ask what it is, how many of you could at least list one lie 
that comes to you on a regular basis. Okay? Most people have one, at least one lie that always bombards them. Maybe the rest of you probably don't recognize it. Because I think we all do. So when that lie comes the next time, and you've now found the scripture that's truth, here's what I want you to do. I want you to write the lie down, and on the really big at the top of your little card, write lie. And I want you to put it right next to the truth scripture on the top that says truth. And I want you to read that lie and say, that's a lie. And this is the truth. Out of the word of God. He loves me with an unconditional love. The Bible tells me so. It says that I'm the head and not the tail. That I'm more than a conqueror. That as far as the east is from the west, so my sins are removed from me. By his stripes, I am healed. When, it, when somebody in your family dies and, and the li- enemy lies says you'll never be with them again, you say, no, because even David said, he, talking about his dead son, cannot come to me, but I will go to him. Job, we quote from Job of all places, though my flesh be destroyed, yet with my eyes I'll see God. These are truths. No one can snatch me out of God's hands. The Bible says that I'm written in the palm of his hand. The Bible tells me that he knows that he's got a plan for me and he has thoughts that he thinks towards me and they're good things and they're th- plans and thoughts of a hope and a future and not to harm me. You need to get the word inside of you because when the lie comes, you need to come back with the truth. Stop playing patty cake with the devil and get some victory going that's already purchased for you. And if you're having a problem, go to another spiritual person who will help you do it. Say, you know what, I'm having a hard time with this one. And, and I, I, I want to be sensitive because I know people go through some really hard, difficult things. That's when you need to really rely on your, on your brothers who can walk with you in a healthy way that are going to talk with you and comfort you in the word and walk with you through the trial. L- losing a loved one, having a divorce, having a, losing a, a major job in your career, so those things are, are, are big, and I'm not saying t- that they don't exist, but say that God said he'd provide all my needs according to his riches and glory. The word says that I'm going to believe it. That's the truth. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, noble, just, pure, lovely, of good report. If there's any virtue, there's anything praiseworthy. Meditate on these things. Like another scripture says, fix your eyes on them. Let's stand as we pray, as we close in prayer. We're going to take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. We've, you know, the salvation, we already have salvation. We're going to take the helmet of salvation of our thinking. We're going to walk in righteousness. I love it. The thing that holds a lot of the pieces together is the belt of truth. We need truth. Heavenly Father, we've been under attack. <laughs> 
we've been under a, an assault warfare against our minds God today we're going to stop the assault we're going to stand firm then in the power of his might for we wrestle not against flesh and blood but against principalities and powers rulers of wickedness in this dark age and we're going to take the whole armor of God we're going to thank you and walk in with the helmet of salvation and the breastplate of righteousness we're going to have truth buckled around our our waist we're going to be people of truth we're going to be ready always with the gospel of the good news of Jesus Christ and we're going to have the sword of the spirit the word of God and we're going to make that we're going to sharpen that sword it's a commitment Lord we're making to you God help me to sharpen my sword help me to to be able to handle the sword the word of God God help us to be as the writer in the Psalms 119 says I've hidden your word in my heart that I may not sin against you how can a young man keep his way clean by living according to your word God, help us to be those a people who would recognize the attack of the enemy and the attack of the flesh and these lies that are coming against us and hold up the truth and no longer give heed to lies and vain imaginations. That person does that on purpose to be mean. My wife doesn't do that because she's angry and mean it towards me. My husband knows how I feel and just doesn't care about me anymore. God, help us to recognize truths and lies and separate them and hold on to the truth. Let us be a people who, when we are in doubt with somebody thinking something towards us, that we'd be brave enough to go and actually ask them, do you feel this way about me? Is this true? God, so that we can recognize the lies and hang on to the truth, eternal truths. Bless us today. God, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen.